Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. In this episode, one would think that I wouldn't be able to draw a guest for Michigan, Illinois, and people in Michigan are thinking, oh great, this is going to be just another 20 to 30 minutes of Tom Green drab about beer and sports and chicks. Well, I can't say that this topic won't, this podcast won't be necessarily about that entirely, but what I can guarantee you is that I brought in a guest for Michigan, Illinois. He is a student, as I was, and still am in the game of life. But he's a very interesting character. He is a BTN student reporter from the University of Illinois. He is Anthony, not Rizzo, but he dreams to be, Pasquale. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure to be here. Definitely, and I'm sure you're dreaming to be Anthony Rizzo at, at some point. <laughs> every night, every night. <laughs> so, with that being said, before we get to this Michigan-Illinois analysis, I, I may have had you touch on this for the Cubs show, but tell us a little bit more, what, a little bit about your uh, BTN student network expertise. Yeah, so um, I was able to come here. I'm a sophomore now, so when I came in as a freshman, I uh, tried to, to find out about as much as I could do in terms of journalism and one of the things they offer is to um, to be a student announcer for a Big Ten game. So we don't quite get the, the big football or basketball games, but I've done a couple of baseball, softball, women's basketball, and, and volleyball over the past two years, which has been really fun. And uh, then a buddy of mine who I announced a few games with ran a, a website through SB Nation called The Champagne Room, and I write for the uh, – Illinois football and baseball team on there. So I've got a, a little bit of expertise on a team that uh, doesn't have a lot of experts playing football. <laughs> Sounds good. And, it's, and uh, we should also say that uh, off-air, I did a Cubs show, of course, with this guy, and he tells me that I look a lot like Tony Andraki. And I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about your uh, podcast with Mr. Andraki. Yeah, I, uh, I host my own Cubs show like you do. It's called The Cubs Corner. Um, it's on SoundCloud and it's also on Apple Podcasts. And I've been lucky enough to have a few um, Cubs, you know, people surrounding the team, whether as like reporters, media people, or I even had uh, Len Casper on one episode. So if you'd like to go check that out after you listen to this great show, go ahead and do that. Definitely. So he's just getting me just a, a step or two closer to Illinois and Cubs media. In fact, any media, I would be more than open to do but besides the point people are thinking oh great more more Cubs talk this is a Michigan Illinois show so we're gonna get more to some Michigan Illinois content hi Kelly there you go there's your Kelly Crow pit anyway Michigan we'll talk about them first before we get to the expertise he has about Illinois Michigan not only chased a Big Ten coach and we'll talk about that in a little bit but they got a massive victory over an Iowa team that was looking that had better stats on offense than Shea Patterson and Zach Charbonnet. Um, from the Western Division perspective, how big was this victory for Michigan? I mean, I think it was huge. They desperately needed to get back into the, the division chase a little bit, especially with the way Ohio State, Penn State look early on. And obviously on the other side, Wisconsin looks really good too. So, I mean, Michigan's, you know, always revered as one of the blue bloods of the Big Ten, but they needed to prove it. And I think uh, that win against Iowa, even though they didn't look great, but they did just enough to win, 
Um, that was a big win for them. Yes, 10-3 to three it was. And I'm sure even though I am a few years older than you, I'm sure you can attest to this as well. This was old-fashioned Big Ten football, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And, and it's a brand of football that I don't know if the team orange, orange and blue is capable of playing, but the fact that Michigan is able to is uh, is why that they're Michigan and they, they're ranked 16th and, and they have all these different you know, accolades over the past few years and where Illinois does not. And, of course, I'll also ask, Iowa Iowa's a legit threat in the West, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they definitely are. I think it looks like Wisconsin's the team in the West right now, but Iowa's definitely up there. I mean, Minnesota's 5-0, and too, so you can't ignore undefeated. I think those three are kind of pulling away from the rest of the pack in the West. Yes, and we had to mention Wisconsin, of course, before Jonathan Taylor runs all over me, as Jonathan Taylor ran all over the Michigan offense at Camp Randall Stadium. And and it, even though it's not a rapid-fire game, I will say that Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over the Michigan State defense and at Camp Randall this weekend, which our buddy from the last podcast, Alex Strofe, is going to be attending. So, with that being said, we'll focus on Illinois here. Third year on the job. His beard is probably about as big as Santa Claus's. But he has not brought the joy and spirit that Santa Claus brings on December 24th. Lovey Smith, I will ask, is Lovey on the hot seat this year? I mean, I personally thought he's been on the hot seat since the 63 to nothing loss to Iowa last season. Um, obviously, Illinois has a backwards way of thinking because it, instead of firing him, they extended him after that game. Still not entirely sure why it hasn't worked out this year either. Um, they could realistically be 4-1 at this point, but they, they just can't seem to finish games when they have a lead or can't seem to come back when they're down. So um, I think he is on the hot seat. I think uh, losses to Michigan and Wisconsin would even um, further the chance of him getting fired sooner rather than later. Um, they do have an easier wrap-up to the end of the year with Rutgers, Purdue, and Northwestern in there. But, I mean, this next few games is a gauntlet for, a gauntlet for them. They play Michigan and then Wisconsin. It is in Champaign, but with Illinois, that's not really a huge advantage. As I was joking with Anthony off-air, this podcast was less pain, spelled like champagne, full than I'm sure you are to endure at 11 a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. With that being said, uh, Michigan has chased a Big Ten coach in Chris Ash. We Now, we kind of saw the writing on the wall for that, but is there a possible chance that Michigan chases Lovey Smith after this game? I know we kind of said he's on the hot seat, but is, it, is there a chance that he's chased? Um, no. I think uh, I think Illinois will probably be his last stop coaching unless he ends up back in the NFL as a defensive coordinator. Um, he just doesn't know how to coach college guys. I think Illinois brought him on more of as a name than a coach to draw recruits and people into the stadium and things like that. And in that sense, it has worked. But on the field, the results just haven't been there. And as, as much as people like to blame Lovey, I think it's more of a he doesn't know how to coach younger players, younger kids. He might have another stop in the NFL as a defensive coordinator, but I think his time 
in college is uh, coming to an end for sure. Yeah, and three years ago when Illinois hired Lovey Smith, I thought to myself, this this was a man that seemed to be wrongfully fired from Chicago that's getting a second chance, and he is sort of Hugh Jacksoning it. Yeah. <laughs> So, He's almost proving the Bears right. <laughs> so off of Lovey Smith, Illinois is a team that seemingly played like Minnesota has in P.J. Fleck's first three years, except P.J. Fleck is winning with it. They have a formidable offense, but the defense is literally Swiss cheese. Am I correct about that assumption? Yeah, you are. Um, Lovey's really stubborn on the defensive scheme. He plays every variation of cover two possible but it doesn't work against spread offenses because the middle of the field is always wide open. So if you, if you watch the game on Saturday, I could just I could just tell you Shea Patterson's going to look like Tom Brady throwing the ball to the middle of the field, gashing Illinois, unless they do something to stop it, which they haven't in their first five games. And if Michigan decides to run the read option, that's the other play that has given Illinois a lot of trouble. Um, but aside from that, Illinois has been pretty good not great, but like okay against the run, and it's just their secondary is a major hole, and I think the scheme defensively is not that great. But like you said, their offense will keep them in games. Um, Reggie Corbin's one of the better running backs in the Big Ten. I would almost put him second behind Taylor. Um, and but the rest of that offense has just struggled to get going um, in the passing game. We don't know who's going to be the quarterback this weekend. Obviously, for storyline purposes. You'd like it to be Brandon Peters going up against his former team in Michigan, but he got dinged up against Minnesota. Isaiah Williams is the freshman quarterback that seems to be the quarterback of the future, but he's also hurt. The third option there is Matt Robinson, and we'll see who's under center when the game takes place on Saturday. That was going to be my next question. Is uh, Tell us a little bit about Brandon Peters. Michigan transfer, uh, despite being nicked up, how has he helped this uh, Illinois offense? Well, in the wins, he's looked really good. He's uh, led the team to a come-from-behind victory against UConn. Um, he led a last-second drive to tie the game against Eastern Michigan, but the defense gave that one away. And he kept the team in it against Nebraska up until the final seconds, and they lost that game, too. So theoretically, like I said, this team could be 4-0, and Brandon Peters could look a lot better than he does. But he, he makes the throws he has to. He sometimes underthrows the big play and turns it over a little bit, but he manages the game much better than uh, A.J. Bush or M.J. Rivers or some of the other quarterbacks Illinois has had in the past. Yes, and that's one thing is that Illinois, to have a formidable offense in Champaign or really anywhere across college football, you need a sustainable quarterback. And at Illinois, the last time we saw a sustainable quarterback, um, you were probably not even in high school yet, but your house was being shielded, if you, if you, if you get what my reference. Nathan yeah. Shieldhouse was the, their last sustainable quarterback, and they went on to win the Fight Hunger Bowl, and everybody counted them out because they lost six straight games under Ron Zook, I think the, the head coach was. But before that, they had something that doctors probably avoid have you avoid drinking every day, but young kids still do, and that is juice. Juice Williams led the yeah. Illinois to a Rose Bowl back in yeah. 2008. Juice was Juice was the real deal, and I mean I don't remember him entirely. I was only eight years old at that time, but um, 
definitely a lot better than, you know, the guys Illinois has put out there in the past. You know, Peters has that type of potential. Obviously, if Michigan wanted him, he's got to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've yet to see him really play a complete game yet, unless you count the Akron one. So hopefully he's out on the field Sunday if he's healthy, Saturday, excuse me, if he's healthy. And hopefully for, for us, at least, that could lead to an Illinois win. And, of course, if you worked the UConn game, you probably got a signing bonus as well, along with Randy Edsel. Jeez, he's gotten so many signing bonuses in that. <laughs> His coaching <Yeah>. deal. <laughs> but, yes, if if you're Jim Deshays and you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, oh, God, I got someone that might be able to take my job with all these puns. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, keys to an Illinois victory. How does Illinois pull off an upset in Champaign? Well, I think... You know, they're the same keys that I said um, I, when they play Nebraska because I think Nebraska and Michigan aren't the same team. Michigan has a better defense and I think a worse offense than Nebraska does, but I think the plan is theoretically the same. You've got to run the ball well. Illinois has a lot of running backs. They can keep uh, keep uh, fresh legs out there and just control the clock a little bit, keep Michigan's offense off the field. Um that's a big key. The secondary has to make some plays also for Illinois. Um, like I said, the middle of the field is always wide open, so they need to make an adjustment. And, and if they do, they got to come away with a couple of picks or forced fumbles, which they've been pretty good at as of late, but keeping that up. And then uh, I think the tail of the red zone is going to be important too. When uh, Michigan gets into the red zone, Illinois has to force them to field goals or turn it over. And when Illinois gets in the red zone, they've got to convert put up points on the board gotcha my keys to the game for illinois um it's if you're gonna win this game it's got to be a shootout because michigan's offense has not scored more than well more than 52 points but let's be honest 52 is against rutgers um uh you uh Pasquale could take over center for illinois and i could be the tight end and we could probably beat rutgers (laughs) So Michigan, Michigan needs to. Well, excuse me. Illinois needs to stop somebody, because if they can, the game's going to be won in a shootout. Um, if Peters can play, Peters needs to seek revenge over his old team. What? Um, so shootout, seek revenge, and get uh, run the ball, because Iowa seemed to run the ball okay against Michigan. But, of course, they only scored three points. So I guess my three keys are win in a shootout, Peter's seek revenge, run the ball. Yep, I'd agree with those two. Keys to a Michigan win. How does Michigan beat Illinois? And it's it's got to be more than exist, even though Michigan fans think that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think for Michigan to win the game, they have to force a turnover early because – Every time Illinois has given up a, an early turnover, their offense looks rattled for the rest of the uh, the rest of the game. Pretty much, they don't like turning the ball over because they don't um, they don't defend particularly well. So, I think Michigan has to get on the board first, um, force a turnover or two, and then I also think for them, controlling the clock and keeping Illinois' offense off the field is a big thing too. Gotcha. So keys to a Michigan victory for yours truly. Uh, low, keep it low scoring because Illinois. Illinois um, keep it low scoring. Illinois is not Rutgers. 
Illinois will score points on you. In fact, Michigan State and Ohio State fans are probably going to probably going to keep punching Michigan's defensive bag if they give up more than 30, which is a possibility in this game because Illinois has a formidable offense. So keep it low scoring. Get the offense rolling. 10 points will most likely not win you this game. It won you the Iowa game at the big house, but it's not going to win you the Illinois game. And for the love of God, let's not have 2010 happen all over again. That was a nightmare. We won that game. Michigan won that game, but it was a nightmare. I'm sure Anthony's remembering this. It might have been more of a nightmare for him, too. <laughs> but uh, 10 points will not win you this game. And defense, keep keep rolling. Um, defense under John Brown has done very well in the past two, in the past two games. If you can keep up that scheme, um, you perhaps could could beat Illinois 52 to nothing. But like I said, um, Illinois is going to score more than zero, and ten points Hopefully. will not win this game. <laughs> I will be completely honest. Uh, score predictions. How do you see this game turning out in Champaign? Well. I, I think realistically, Michigan probably wins the game, but ever since the beginning of the year, I've said that this is the one game Illinois is going to pull off the upset in, so I'm going to stick with that pick, and I'm going to say Illinois takes it 23-20. to 23-20 to 20 Illinois, so if, if it turns out to be an upset, you heard it here first on the Tom Green Podcast. I highly doubt it, but anything is possible, especially with Michigan playing on the road. Except that they're playing Rutgers, of course. <laughs> Michigan, I think, pulls out this victory in preparation for Penn State. 31-20. to I think it's going to be closer than people think because Illinois can score points. But the, the number one key that we've, that we've discussed is that Illinois uh, cannot defend the middle of the field. And if Shea Patterson can find that early rather than late, it could be a... It could be a long day for those in That's the, right. Illinois. People will be drinking a lot. We'll be drinking champagne by the bottle in misery rather than champagne by the bottle in celebration. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> so with that being said, before we get to the most heralded segment on the Tom Green Football Podcast, of course, 3PS Mag, the promotion, like always, monkeyknifefight.com. Anthony's probably never heard of it, and it's probably it's a site that has not been the friendliest to me. But it's been friendly to people, other people across 3PS Magazine. If you like prop bets, go to monkeyknifefight.com, uh, deposit, throw in the code 3PSMAG. They match your deposit. You make prop bets, and you play games such as Over Under and Rapid Fire. For example, um, Over Under would be... Let's say over under Baker Mayfield, 250 yards. You take the over, you win, you double your money. So, or, or even more. So, monkeyknifefight.com. If you like prop betting, try it. Rapid fire games. Now, this now this isn't necessarily a rapid fire per se because we analyze these games as well. But this has been the most heralded segment on the show. Is it's a pick'em? If you like pick'ems, this is the segment for you. Four college games this week, five NFL games, a total of nine, most on the docket this so far this season. We start at the Texas State Fair, big noon Saturday, Oklahoma and Texas. Big noon Saturday pregame is broadcasting from the Texas State Fair. 
I put the over-under on corn dogs that Jenny Taft will consume at five and take the over because I know I've known Jenny very well. She eats just like me, at least I think. Oklahoma and Texas, who you got? Um, I'm actually going to take Texas in this one. So you like Texas in this one, just like last season where Texas pulled the upset at yeah. Oklahoma. I, I, think, I think in these yeah. big rivalry games, the, the underdog is almost favored, if that makes sense. Yeah, and when you, when you get to rivalry games, you seemingly throw out any any scorebook that you have. Um, in this one, I think Oklahoma is going to seek revenge on last year's defeat at the state fair, and they they might they might even take the corn dog trailer with them back to Norman. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma in this one, but if these guys rematch in the Big Ten championship, Ellinger and Texas will be ready for Oklahoma in that game. So give me Oklahoma in this one. Uh, 42 or 45-42, high scoring. But Texas could very well win the Big 12. Um, Alabama, Texas A&M. Um, I'm going to take Bama in this one, and I think Bama's going to put up a lot of points. Um, I, I like Tua a lot, and I like this offense. I think they're going to keep it rolling a little bit and stay ranked high. I'm going to say Alabama 38 and uh, A&M 24. I have Alabama in this game as well. People like Tua so much that two teams this Sunday are playing in what's called a tank bowl just so that they can try to acclaim the rights to Tua Tagovailoa, that being the Redskins <laughs> and Dolphins. <laughs> Give me Alabama big in this one. A&M, I think their 24th ranking is fraudulent. Because uh, they've only beaten one FBS team this year, and that was Arkansas by four. I mean, come on. You beat one FBS team by four points, and you're ranked? Um, hmm. I know there has to be 25, but that that seems like a misprint. Bama 38, Texas A&M 10. Wow. Big time. Uh, Big 10. Back to the Big Ten in the West at Kinnick Stadium, Penn State and Iowa. All right, I think Iowa really, really needs this win, but I don't think they're going to get it. I think Penn State's going to come out and show why they're one of the top programs in the Big Ten and uh, take a, a close game but but end up on top, say, 28 to 23. All righty, in this one, you really can't bet against Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. Yes, Penn State was the last team to defeat Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, but I think Penn State is looking more forward to next week when they have Michigan at night. And the last time Michigan played Penn State at night, it gives me nightmares. Saquon Barkley ran all over the Michigan defense. I think they're going to be more motivated because they will lose to Iowa in this game, so we're going contrarian here as well, in a low-scoring 14 to 10. Give me Iowa over Penn State. Um, big one in the in the in the SEC that just means more. Um, LSU against Florida. I'm going to take LSU. I think Florida had a really good game against Auburn, and LSU desperately needs this win to you know, kind of keep pace there. Um, I like LSU a lot. I think that um, they're going to have just just enough um i'll say 31 21 lsu wins this one 
is going to be a tough one. Highly contested ESPN 8 o'clock night game. LSU has something now that they really, really wish they had back in 2012. And that is a quarterback. Somebody other than Zach Mettenberger under center. And that is Joey Burrow. I like burgers, but not so much Mettenberger. Um, Joey Burrow has played very well at LSU in this, and LSU has won some prominent road games, especially at Auburn. That one, great contest last season. Give me LSU close, but not too close, 37-31. High scoring and close. Going to the NFL now, and we're going across the pond. Um... I'm not sure how you feel about London games, but I usually make appointments to watch these London games because I like watching weird, st- watching games at different stadiums. If you if you get what I mean, Carolina and Tampa. I, I think the Panthers are really becoming the team that they are supposed to be, and I think it's because Kyle Allen's the guy and not Cam. I think Cam's time in Carolina is on its way, um, or coming to an end, I should say, because Kyle Allen looks really good. I think uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he can play, is going to power the Panthers to a win in London. If McCaffrey can't go, I, I'll probably switch to the Bucks. But let's say he can, I'll take the Panthers, twenty-seven, twenty-one. Christian McCaffrey is a freak of nature. In fact, in fact, there's been a band. Well, I shouldn't say a band, a band of fans that decided to change a band name just for Christian McCaffrey. It's not run DMC anymore. It's run CMC. <laughs> the Bucks have done pretty well. Bruce Arian seems to be getting Jameis Winston back on the straight and narrow, but it's kind of like Illinois. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. Yep. Give me the Carolina Panthers with a couple with a couple of boxes of twinings of London, along with that and a fish and a plate of fish and chips from Punch and Judy Pub which I enjoyed back in 2012 in London. Great food there. Uh, 35-27, Carolina. Going back to the homeland and in a place where they feel that the sky is falling, Seattle and Cleveland. You know, this is one of those games where I really want to say Cleveland needs to win bad, so they're going to win, but... I've loved, and I can't put enough emphasis on that, of how Russell Wilson has looked this year. I think he's um, cemented his name in the MVP conversation. I think Chris Carson and the rest of that offense is really coming together. Pete Carroll's a genius. I I think the Seahawks win that one and really throw Cleveland for a loop before they turn their season around a little bit. If you're like me, you like meme culture. Back in 2012 with the famous inner touchdown inception. This one guy is a big, huge fan of the Seahawks. The other is Pete Carroll. (laughs) 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 So Seattle and Cleveland, Cleveland desperately needs a win to, to avoid all this media drama that they're already consuming. But Cleveland is a team that's, Cleveland is a team that's going through growing pains. Let's be honest here. Anthony has just gotten out of said growing pains, and I remember my growing pains from many years ago. They suck. They hurt. You want them to go away ASAP. But 
you can't get rid of them until they happen. So I did pick Cleveland in the in Alex Strauss podcast. I think I'm actually going to change my pick to Seattle because, like I said, growing pains suck, but they have to happen. Seattle, 24, Cleveland, 14. Oh, I didn't give a score. I'll say Seattle, 23, Cleveland, 17. You were thinking about the growing pains that you had just endured. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Saints and Jacksonville, what could have been the Super Bowl just two seasons ago? Yeah, I'm, uh, if not the Bears, for me, the Saints are my team. I, uh, I'm a big Drew Brees fan, and I love, you know, Sean Payton, and I think that offense with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is really good. I think they keep it rolling with Teddy under center um, and give another win to the Saints before Brees comes back, really making that team look scary. Um I think it's going to be higher scoring, but I think the way Sean Payton coaches and manages the game will give Illinois, uh, excuse me, give the Saints enough to win. Um, I'll say the Saints 24 and the Jaguars 20. If only the Jags had the defense of two seasons ago, I'm a believer in Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is the man. But you know who's also the man that came out came off from injury that almost ended his career and almost took away his leg, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I could also see your Saints fandom because of Mike Ditka. Uh, as uh, people people ask me in Lions Kingdom, why don't you hate the Bears? Because what have they done to us? <laughs> they won a Super Bowl back in '85. What have they done to hurt us? Just, just saying, Lions fans, and just imagine the Ditka face on the other side of the phone. Um, I, I'll say I don't hate, or Lions fans say what I hate the Bears. I'm like, huh? <laughs> just imagine the Ditka face in that meme. I'll have to send it to you afterwards. But still, um, say back to Saints Jags. Believer in Gardner Minshew, but more of a believer in Teddy Bridgewater. And what Sean Payton has done for that team has been exquisite without Drew Brees, who was my fantasy franchise quarterback, by the way. Me too, me too. Because always, 4,512 every single season, but every single one of my fantasy my fantasy opponents would say, Tom, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Consistency. <laughs> yeah, I'm riding uh, Kyler Murray right now until Brees comes back. Which we'll be talking about in just a second. Saints. Uh, Saints 27, or no, Saints 17, Jags 10, low scoring. Now to the Kyler Murray Bowl, or the, well, say, when you have the rapid fire picks, which I try to keep to two and a half, you get good games, you get crap games. These next two are probably crap games. Atlanta and Arizona. Yeah, this is one of those games that, like, you look at it and you say, man, it's a crap game. Both these teams stink. But it's going to be very entertaining because both teams are going to score a lot. Um, where is that game? It is in it at, at, and I will still refer to it as this, University of Phoenix Stadium, but really it's uh, State Farm Stadium, Arizona. So it's in Arizona. I'm yes. going to say in a very high-scoring, entertaining game, the – Cardinals beat the Falcons um, 38 to 35. 
I went along those same lines as well, and I'm going with Arizona as well, because Atlanta is just in a state of, what are we doing? <laughs> and they're about to they're about to go through a head coaching change themselves if they don't figure it out this season, because I could see Dan Quinn getting canned after this year. Give me Kyler Murray in the high-flying Arizona Cardinals offense. Larry Fitzgerald with 150 yards and three touchdowns over a burnt toast Atlanta secondary, 44-37. And our last rapid-fire game, Tennessee and Denver. Yeah, I saw this one when you sent me what we're going to talk about, and I still don't know who I'm going to pick, so it's probably going to come out of me by the end of this little spiel, but I, I've... I host a football podcast also with one of my friends, and we just give predictions on the games each week. And what we've noticed is when Tennessee's supposed to win, they lose. And when Tennessee's supposed to lose, they win. That's also known as foul Clay Travis on Twitter. And so, I mean, (laughs) Tennessee's the hardest team to pick for me. Yes. Um, Are they favored? I think it's two and a half to Tennessee. Okay, so then Denver will win. Um, I'll take Denver 21-20. to 20. Seeing as a, a, miss, a tr- missed extra point by Cody Parkey to tie the game at the end. That's how Denver wins. Oh, poetic justice, you say, yep. from, from the double doink, which was tipped, by the way, but still, yeah. regardless, a double doink. Um, usually, and this is just me from following Clay Travis on Twitter, Usually when Clay Travis is pissed off, the right things happen for Tennessee. So I'm going to go contrarian on this one and go Tennessee uh, 24-21. A made field goal by Cairo Santos after a missed field goal by Cody Parkey in overtime will seal the deal. Okay. So with that being said... um, that is our rapid fire segment. So, as you've known on the last podcast, the fi- the famed final question is: Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Well, like I, I said before, uh, my podcast, uh, the Cubs Corner, is on uh, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. But I just want to say really quick: Sure, I'm rooting and um, betting on both the Braves and Nationals to win tonight. So you got the Braves and the Nationals tonight. Definitely, Game Five's coming up. In fact, 17 minutes at, or uh, just about 20 minutes after we let go on this podcast, that, those games will start. Give me the Braves at home. Give me the Dodgers at home as well. But this is this is the situation the Nats desperately wanted. It was Game Five, because in Game Five anything can happen. But that's right. I do think if you listen to the MLB show. I think that the Dodgers are more hungry than I am after not eating for two days. I mean, look look at what happened to them. Two straight years, they go to the World Series. Two straight years, the trophy is presented at Chavez Ravine. And two straight years, the trophy is presented to the opposing team. If that doesn't make you motivated for this World Series, I don't know what does. Imagine having two straight World Series at Wrigley Field go the wrong way. Wouldn't that make? Wouldn't that upset you? <laughs> oh, it totally would. Um, 
It totally would, but, you know, I like the Cubs, and I don't like the Dodgers, so go Nets. I, I'm not a Dodgers fan either, but I'm speaking out of out of my head more than my heart here, even though, yep. my, even though my heart is dedicated to a lot of things, including a lot of women, as you've seen. So, <laughs> with that being said, uh, he is Anthony Pasquale. Uh, your Twitter? Ant underscore Pasquale3. But if you tweet him right, he'll be your uncle. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.